Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Dan at Vertex School. Today I have with me Sophie. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. So my name is Sophie Shepard and I'm an associate animator at Creative Assembly. Uh, I've currently been in the industry for just over a year now. I went to a university in Falmouth in England and I did a games animation uh, course there for three years before getting into the industry. Very cool. So is this your first industry job? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Um, so, uh, given that you're so new to your studio, uh, well, not so new, you've been there for uh, a year now, but uh, given that you're still pretty new in the industry, you have a lot of really fresh thoughts, I assume, of your education and of uh, your starting out at your studio and going on all your interviews and things along those lines. Um, when you started to put out your demo reel to different studios looking for work, did you find that you were... Uh, changing your demo reel depending on which studio you were sending it to or did you send the same demo reel to uh, all the different studios how did you go about uh, that process right so um, I sent out the same demo reel to everything I think it's very hard as a student to have tailored demo reels to each studio because you're just mm -hmm. trying to get into the industry so I tried to make sure I had as much variety as I could you know, making sure I had some creature work for creative assembly and some more realistic work for some of the other studios that I was applying to so that I can sort of demonstrate that I'm willing to do anything you know I, I'm willing to animate all sorts of kind of things you know yeah. I'm not limited to one one pathway yeah very cool. Um, along with that, when you were putting together your demo reel, um, and it, as they say, you always want to put your best foot forward. So you try and put your best work in there that you can. Did you find that you were having a hard time coming up with enough time, given that you were a student, and then having and feeling like you had to put in some of your weaker works? Or did you have an okay time being able to say, okay, I want to have about this much time on my demo reel uh, were you able to easily find things to cut out or did you end up having to create more to make it longer or anything along those lines? So when I was a student, I tried to make my demo reel kind of short and sweet. I, I heard from a lot of industry professionals to keep my demo reel short and to make sure that quality came through first. So I did have to cut a lot of my week of work because when you're a student, you end you you're progressing at such a rate that your older work from maybe a month or two ago is just not demo reel worthy. So I found that a lot. And so it, at the end, I think my demo reel was only 30 seconds, but it was maybe five animations and that was enough uh, because yeah. it showed quality instead of quantity. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can remember when I first created my demo reel, exactly what you're saying. Like, even though I was just getting done and I had just gotten done in animation, that one was better than the one before and the one before that and the one before that. And it, yeah. funny enough, I, I've been at it for a decade and a half now and I'm still finding that my latest work is always my best work. So then I'm like, well, but I've been in the industry for so long. I don't want to like just <laughs> disregard all this other stuff that I've made, but I should probably update it, my reel to be more current. Um, so that is a struggle that you'll continue to have throughout is always updating your demo reel as you, because you're going to continue to get better until the day you retire. Um, so yeah, that's, that is a very interesting point. The thought that, Hey, you're going to get better, even though you were just a month ago working on something else, you're already better. Um, yeah, yeah, like when you start a demo reel, it's hard to keep up with yourself because it takes mm -hmm. a while to make a demo reel. By the time you finish the demo reel, you're like, oh, damn, I could do this other thing. And it, yeah. it never ends. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I got pretty lucky as to how quickly I got hired after I got out of school. But with that, I, I, I immediately, as soon as I got done school, I started thinking, okay, I got to put this demo reel together or get it all put, um, get all my favorite pieces in there. And in the process of doing that, I ended up finding out that I needed to have more content. So I was like, I graduated and the day after I started working on a new animation piece because I was like, okay, well, I'm already better than the stuff from before and I don't want to have that on my demo reel. So I started creating more. 
uh, and at the time, I didn't really think about this. I used the student rigs still. So it yeah. still seemed like it was student work from actually being at school and it didn't look like after, uh, otherwise. So that's something I didn't think about until I was in interviews and people were asking me about it. And like, oh, well, who is your instructor on this particular piece? This is probably your strongest one. And I, uh, I basically was like, oh, I did that myself after I got out of school and I didn't get a chance to, uh, or I didn't think to not use a rig that was supplied by the school and I really should have not. Um, and it ended up becoming a talking piece in a lot of my early <laughs> interviews because they were asking, a lot of them would ask because they're a student, well, how long did this one take you? And I say, oh, well, I just did that one last week. And they're like, oh, well, it's uh, a rig from this school. Like, oh yeah, I, it's the rig that I had available. Um, and funny enough, today I still have problems finding a lot of rigs online. There's plenty out there, but if you want to be have any variety from someone else, or if you want to um, be able to stand out from the rest of the students that go to your school, it's really difficult. There's not a whole lot of rigs out there, especially if you're looking, if you're a student, you might be looking for something free or otherwise, but yeah, uh, sorry, I just kind of went on a tangent there, but no, thank you very I, much. I, I think you're right, though. Like, I had the similar sort of experience. Um, finding rigs when I was a student was really difficult. It was only when I started to talk to more industry professionals and more animators that I started to get the word of mouth of, oh, th there's a rig here on this website. Whereas when I was a student, it was very hard to find these things without buying one as well, right. yeah. Yeah, uh, I've actually put thought into... Um, seeing if somebody could do like a caricature version of me uh, and just doing it um, personally and getting my own uh, really high quality rig made by somebody. And I just haven't figured out exactly who yet because there's so many really amazing uh, modelers and riggers out there. And I've worked with some insane talent. And then you have to, okay, this is what I want to do it. And then I, you talk to them and they're like, oh, well, I don't have time for like at least another six months because I'm on this on the next Spider-Man or whatever it is that they're working on. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I forgot about your time as well. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got jobs now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 an interesting thing because you would think that there would be an awful lot out there. And there's a lot of rigs, but there's not an awful lot of like triple A or film level rigging out there. And the ones that are, everyone goes to them. So you're seeing the same mm. rig all over the place. And you really want to one of the reasons why I don't like using the same rig as other people is because the second someone sees the animation on that rig, they think about all the other animations. Other, that yeah. So you're immediately competing with other people that have already used it. And then also um, they might have a bad relation with the rig for some other reason. Like say they saw a demo reel or something else that was um, – either vulgar or, or something along those lines. And then they go, oh, well, I remember that rig and the person that did it. And it's just a negative connotation in their head, even though they know it wasn't you. It's just this immediate thing. And I, I put a lot of thought into that because I've had it happen to me. Like I've been on that hiring table and I've seen someone's rig. And I mm -hmm. think to myself, like, oh, I remember seeing that. And it happened in this other person's demo reel and it went this way. And I automatically took shift away from what was actually happening in front of me just because of that really quick subconscious reminder of the rig from before. So yeah, I hope to get my own personal rig sometime soon so I can do some more personal works again. But okay, well, that, that was really great. Thank you. Um, so do you use any motion matching at your studio or are you guys all primarily keyframing? Uh, it's a mixture of both um, because we're on the Total War Warhammer team. So um, we've got quite a few animators that steer more towards the creatures and they will do a lot of hand key, uh, whereas I do a bit more motion capture. Um, I like more realistic and more humanoid uh, kind of things. But there have been times where I've done hand key as well. It's very much up to the animator uh, what they want to do. We have a lot of trust in that regard. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm remembering back to when I went to school and I'm remembering what schools are like right now uh, and trying to go and look at some other schools and what they have available and things along those lines. I feel like mocap is still mostly an on the job learning experience. Mm -hmm. Did you find that your your school that you went to had any uh, motion matching uh, training or is it pretty much um, one of those learn on the job things? Because I, I certainly learned it on the job because motion capture came bit after I had started, but um, 
it seems as though uh, schools still don't have a lot of information on it. Do you think that's something that schools should do a better job with, or do you think it is something that is easily learned? Because you're, if you're learning how to hand key, you're basically learning how to fix mocap and things along those lines. Do, do you feel that way, or do you think we need to have more yeah. training? I think it. I think it's going there. Like it's going in the right direction in terms of universities um, providing that kind of training. We had uh, a bit of mocap at our school. Uh, it wasn't much. It was uh, just like the kind of thing that you jump into the suit and test around. But we never really used it for anything. Uh, but it was good to get an idea of how it works and how to wear the suit and everything. But really, I learned most of my stuff when I came to the job and people were teaching me. And I think with motion capture, it's just another way of animating. So eventually you do pick it up quite quickly. And I think it's fine to learn on the job because it doesn't take too long to learn. You're mostly learning your animation skills and you're just learning the workflows and uh, pipeline for, for motion capture on the job. Yeah. Uh, you actually just brought up uh, workflow, and that is something that I hold pretty dear to myself because for me, I like to be in a routine on how I tackle each shot. That way I'm not surprised and or I don't start getting to the next stage and then go, oh, I forgot to do this stage and I, I should probably go back and finagle that. Um, and I know that workflows are generally kind of the same from person to person. Some people draw those, some people do video reference, some people say, hey, I've been doing this long enough, I don't do video reference anymore. Uh, there, there, there's, I've had all, a range of different responses, but, um, and then also some people bring in what their studio does and things along those lines. So if you were to go to a meeting today and uh, you were informed that a certain animation needed to be completed, what does that generally look like to you? And then how, after you receive that information, like whatever that information is, whether it's storyboards or otherwise, once you get that, how do you start your process? And then how, how does your process go until you're finished the animation generally? Sure. So, um, for instance, at my job, I will get given a task, which is like create an animation set for this character. Um, then I'll speak to the designers and my lead about what this character is, how they move, what kind of vibe we want from them. Then I tend to book a motion capture set, uh, session, bring someone along with me. We get in the suit. Uh, we record our data. Maybe we have someone there to oversee what the motion capture is going like. Um, but quite a lot of us animators get into the suits ourselves. Uh, this way we know exactly what we want from the character, uh, which is, and it's really fun as well. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And then we get the data back and I put it into Maya. We have tools that allow us to put it straight onto the rig, which is very useful. So I don't use yeah. Motion Builder, um, but it's a very nice, quick, quick workflow for us. And then I build up on layers, fixing through the animation and <laughs> cleaning it up and adding more things, retiming it, reposing things, mm -hmm. and such like that, yeah. Very <laughs> nice. Um, so it sounds like you guys have readily available uh, availability to get into the motion capture. Um, yes. Yeah. I've I really only had limited experience with motion cap capture myself. Um, uh, my first job, we ended up, I was working in Maryland, and we ended up, uh, this is in the United States, uh, which is on the east coast of the United States, and then our motion capture studio was actually in California. So <laughs> the one time that we went and did it, we actually ended up hiring a bunch of actors beforehand. Um, and then we all arrived there and we spent, I think I want to say it was a week, maybe two weeks there, uh, just recording day in, day out, mm. going through a list of things that we needed. Um, but I would love to have access to just be like, oh, I'm going to run into the mocap studio real quick and capture some stuff. That must be really great. That uh, is the facility right there uh, in the same area or do you it's, have to? It's about a 10 minute walk away or even okay. five minutes. It's, you know, we're very lucky that we can on the same day sort of go, all right, okay, go into the mocap studio now. Um, yeah. And they're great there. They're, you know, really accommodating and we can just grab some other animators and go, all right, let's go, let's go film stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I really, re I remember my mocap experience myself and they ended up putting me in suit and it was a lot of fun. And it's really interesting also to see your own skeleton in 3D uh, moving around without like your skin and all that stuff, like yeah. seeing actual motion capture data. Because I, what I ended up finding out was I've injured my shoulder a lot. Uh, I've dislocated it several times. And when I get up, 
I never realized I did this until I saw that mocap data is I always adjust my shoulder a little bit. Every time oh, I yeah. get just a slight adjustment because it, it sticks a little bit. And every time I did it, uh, the people that who are watching the data come in like, oh, you moved your arm again. I'm like, ah, oh, sorry. And it was I had to like train myself to not do that. And then I was started messing up with the thing I actually wanted to animate was. Uh, we didn't end up using any of this mocap data, but what we ended up finding out was we liked it and that we wanted to keep that little <laughs> bit of, even though it's my character, uh, a lot of the times you'll have like big muscular men because mm. they have so much weight on their arms and shoulders that when they get up, they readjust as well. And the character that we were looking to use it for was a, a larger character. And we're like, you know what? It actually feels right that you kind of do that little movement there. Um, so we didn't end up using it, but what we ended up liking the most was those little nuances of me in the in the capture. When the first time you saw your your own motion capture of yourself, was there anything along those lines that you're like, oh wow, I can tell that's me because oh I, yeah yeah this way or I do this thing. <laughs> for sure for sure definitely. I remember my first data didn't come out very well because it was my first time in the motion capture suit, and there's so many things you don't think about on your mm -hmm. first time, like how much you move. You need to like you know sometimes you need to be a bit more still, or maybe I wasn't in character then. There was so much to learn, mm -hmm. and um. I, I can definitely tell it's me. You know, you've seen how how you move, how you walk. It, it's very common for you to know how how these things work. So I'll show it to a colleague, and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's you." I can tell. You can always yeah. tell the animator in the in the motion capture suit. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So uh, I, I actually don't have a lot of like I said, I don't have an awful lot of experience with it. I did it once 15 years ago, and then when I was working with Volition on Agents of Mayhem uh, contractually. Uh, they sent me mocap data, so I didn't really get to have much personal experience with people capturing it uh, or the people um, like the just what their character was versus the character that I was animating it for. So I it was like a one to one ratio for me, like, oh, this is this character and this one is this character. But um, when you're working with other animators in your studio and you go and record yourself and we'll just say that the character is uh, Bob. Bob, the the game character, you animate uh, and you go in and you capture yourself as Bob and then a coworker goes and captures themselves as Bob and there's going to be those slight little character changes. It, what What is your process to try and say, okay, well, I need to make this look more like Bob, the game character and, and less like Sophie. Mm. Do you have a process there to do that or... Um, you guys able to get into character enough that you haven't had to take out your own little nuances. That's an interesting one. I think that's the reason why we bring quite a few people to the studio. So we have at least three people, I think, uh, usually. And you can then tell each person and you can kind of pick which one fits the character the best, depending on their little movements. I find that, you know, for instance, we have um, if we're doing a female character, then my motion capture data might fit it a bit more better because uh, I move a bit more like a female. And as opposed to, um, you know, if we're doing some evil character or something and then the men are like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it comes through, it really comes through. So I, I do tend to pick the motion depending on the person. Right. Uh, rather than looking at my own motion and be like, oh, how do I change this? I'll pick the better motion and, and go on that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. Um, so uh, talking more about processes and things along those lines, um, when I was learning how to animate, drawing was a large part of that. They would want you to, to do little storyboards and things along those lines. And through the years, I've used drawing less and less. Mm. Uh, I've only recently, because I upgraded my monitor here at home, I've only recently started getting back into sketching. And I am, I'm a terrible 2D artist. Uh, but I find that if I can just draw out a real quick stick figure of a couple of different poses that I want, I can get the idea in my head a little bit better. Is is drawing a part of your process uh, or do you do any video reference for when you're doing keyframe animation or um, are you pretty much just using the, the mocap data that you have or what do those processes look like? Do they do you before you get into the mocap, let's say, or before you get into hand keying, is there what other processes are in there for yourself or if you have any? 
Yeah, so it depends on the character and if I'm using mo motion capture or keyframes. So when I do motion capture, I tend to get into Maya, create a few different poses, send it around for critique and see what other people are thinking. And they'll usually draw over it and give me critique. Uh, when it comes to keyframe, video reference, I love doing that. That, that. I think that's a great thing. I think students should really get into that early. I know I was afraid to do that when I was a student, but really, it really helps. You just don't know things until you see them, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and drawing as well. Uh, I like to draw the poses out when it comes to keyframe characters. I don't know why. It, it tends to be because they're a bit more like creature-like, and I, I find it better to draw. I'm not very good at drawing either, but it does help to draw just the lines and the circles to get an idea of yeah, the shape that you want. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Um, you had mentioned uh, critiquing and going and, and seeking critiquing. This is something that um, I struggled only a very little bit with in the very beginning. Uh, because I was coming from being a computer engineer to becoming an artist, which are completely different yeah. mindsets. Um, and critiques are a huge part of being a creative, especially in the video game industry, where you're going to have tons of people from the studio looking at your work. What would your suggestion be to a new student who may not be used to the level of critiquing of their work? Do you have any suggestions for uh, students or new animators who aren't used to that and how to receive it and and ways of looking at uh, receiving critiquing. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I find that it is hard to take critique sometimes, especially when you're learning, because you, you feel like maybe everything you're doing is wrong. So you don't want someone to hammer every mistake out. You need to find someone who can strike a balance, you know. Um, so I found it helpful to go to professionals because I knew that what they were saying, they, they had knowledge, they had years of experience. You know, sometimes if I went to friends or, or colleagues or other students, I wouldn't necessarily believe their critique as much because they're learning just like me. And so I found it much more useful to go to professionals uh, with this regard and know that when you're a student, everyone around you that's learning animation or is a professional has something to offer, whether you believe it or not. Uh, everyone has something to say that, that might help you go forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important to keep an open mind if you want to progress in this sort of career, I think. Yeah. Um, I think some some ways that some people have said it to me before is uh, not being married to the shot that you've animated. Yeah. Um, and realizing that no matter how long you animate it, you could animate the a, a 10 second piece for the next 20 years. And there's still going to be stuff in there to find a critique. There's still going to be opinions as well like you may have made an acting choice um, I touch my face a lot um, it's just who I am it's what I do so when I'm doing acting pieces a lot of the times I'll reach up and touch my face or my eye or something along those lines because that's that's how I see the character a lot because when I'm recording I touch my face I, I do all kinds of stuff like that and I've had people say like oh well he kind of like touches his face here but it doesn't have anything to do with the dialogue I'm like yeah, I mean, I talk a lot of the time and I might do something that's not associated with it. And it's it's important to try to remember also, like people will have opinions that aren't necessarily animation related. Mm -hmm. uh, True. They might be acting related or otherwise. And it's important to realize, okay, what is more of a body mechanics need to fix thing? And what is more of a choice thing? And then yeah. if it is more of a choice in the long run, what's more appealing and what's going to be better for the game or film that I'm working in? Um, and I think ultimately it can be really hard in the very beginning to hear things about something you may have just spent 40 hours on. And then someone goes, Hey, the way that he walks into the room feels a little robotic. I probably cut, it, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. cut that part out or start that part over and you go, Oh, wow. I've been working on that for a really long time. And as a student, you're going to be slower. Um, mm. and it, you start to learn your own workflow and start to understand your own processes. Um, and I know when you go to school, they go, do this, do blocking and stepped keys, do uh, then go through, do this, then go through doing this, do through, do this. And while it's a great way to learn through the years that you'll change that. Like sometimes I'm not in stepped keys at all because I'm capable of seeing where my frames are um, a little bit better and I don't use it all the time. And, and it's important to realize you're gonna be a little bit slower and it's gonna make you be a little bit more married to a piece of work, but when someone's critiquing it, they're not critiquing you. So try mm -hmm. and not take it personally. 
because uh, it can be really hard to hear those things and go, oh my gosh, there's 20 hours of my work and now I'm going to be 20 hours behind and now they're going to think that I'm slow and blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of the time, a lot of that stuff to me is usually internal and it's yeah. just me thinking those things. And it's like if my boss makes a huge change to my animation, uh, they're aware that I'm now going to have to put in more time on that animation and the, the, the set time that I'd given them that I would be done may not be at that point anymore. Um, so try not to take that stuff personally and try not to feel levels of guilt on like time frames and things along those lines. Cause they're, they're having you change it. They know that that means that more time's being added on. So try not to try not to get married to it and worried about the schedule all the time because of so. Okay. Sorry. I went on tangent. No, it's good advice. <laughs> um, so more about processes and things along those lines uh, and something that I continue to uh, work on myself and things that I've it become second nature at this point to me is um, observation mm -hmm. and how key observation is to learning to animate and uh, creating characters when you have more creative freedom with your characters. Uh, what are your favorite ways of doing observation? Not necessarily like, oh, hey, I need to do Bob the character. I'm going to go and look for this online. But where do you where do you naturally find your observations going? Do you like if you go to the mall? Do you are you finding it? You're naturally watching people, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, it's, I think as an animator, it's just natural to, to look at how people walk, how people move, how people act and, and move their hands and everything, uh, for sure. I mean, in terms of observation, I'm thinking more in the terms of like when you're looking at reference and how do you see how things are moving with each other and stuff like this, right? Because um, in, in that case, I usually to get the good body mechanics, you look at the hips first and you just try and see how they move in line with everything else. You know, I think when I was a student, I never really looked at anything like that. I was just like, I think they're about here, you know, but I wouldn't measure it to be like, okay, well, the hips are here, you know, compared to the arm that's here or something like this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good to sort of pinpoint things uh, in relation to other things, right? Yeah. Well, one of the really big ones for me starting off was feet placement. Uh, mm -hmm. and how much your feet actually slide and rotate uh, and roll um, when I was originally just wanting it planted because I'm like, oh, I don't want foot slip. So like that foot's going to plant. And then when they turn and pivot, they might like rotate up this way, like oops, yeah. onto their toes and they might roll off of their toe this way. But a lot of the times when you're stepping, even when you step down, you might slide your foot forward a little bit when you're turning, especially when you're walking, you might turn on the ball of your foot before you even like move it. And for me, that was a really hard thing to get down is figuring out where foot slip actually exists in real life. And I still find myself observing that a lot, uh, especially when it comes to loose surfaces like uh, dirt and things along those lines. Um, I find myself still very much watching feet a lot. And I know that hips are the most important, but um, it, it for me, I find myself just always gravitating toward people's feet. Like if I find that they have an interesting walk, I'll stare at their feet and be like, okay, well, they have a little bit of a limp. What is that doing to their feet? And then I realize, oh, they're walking a little bit duck footed. And when they do that, they have to like roll their foot differently. And I find myself just intrigued by feet for <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to observing, it's just something I look at a lot. I know this yeah. is a weird spot. <laughs> I have another friend who's really big on hands, loves to see when people are talking, what they do with their hands. Uh, and I talked to uh, someone else who was really big on eyes, and that was their main thing. Uh, they, they're in film, but they, they love watching people's eyes. No matter what the action is, they stare at the eyes. Like a lot of times when you're fighting, you're not staring the other person in the eye. You might be watching their chest to see if they're going to throw a punch and all this kind of stuff. It's really, it's interesting to hear how people observe. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely super interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love hearing about people's processes and how they find inspiration and things along those lines. And since I just brought it up, as far as inspiration, where do you find your inspiration? Uh, like, do you like playing other games or do you find that you like watching uh, animated films or is it not related to animation at all where you're finding your inspiration? Oh, that's an interesting one. I never really thought about too much because I, I think I do take a little bit of 
inspiration from everywhere, really. Um, you know, I do love watching animated movies and playing games. And when I'm playing the games, I'm just like, oh, this feels so cool. And I want to be able to create stuff like that. I think lately it's been a lot of inspiration from people posting their work on Twitter. Like a lot of animators um, are using that as an outlet to share their work. And every time I scroll through every day, there's something new. And, oh, man, I want to do something like that. I definitely think that's that's a big source of my inspiration lately. Very cool. Yeah, I, I find that personal works, people put more of themselves into their personal work. And I find that that is where I find my inspiration the most is while there's amazing movies and amazing games coming out, things along those lines, I find that I still get more inspired by somebody who took maybe a year of after work going home and developing their own animation and developing their own characters maybe maybe they did their own modeling and rigging as well and i just i i, I really attach to those because you can feel their character in it and you can feel their, their process and their own yeah. um, inspirations inside of their work it's i love that stuff so I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's also where you like to find yours because it's it's a really cool spot yeah, they tend to be quite like small videos as well. I think that they leave a good impression in, in my memory. You know, I will always remember that one animation. Maybe it was just a sword swing, but it, it felt good. And I will just remember that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as uh, animations that you did while you were in school, is there any particular animation that you either did or wish that you did that you think was the most impactful to you while you were learning? Uh, whether it be uh, as simple as the bouncing ball or all the way up to your first dialogue shot or whatever it may have been, what do you think was the most important animation to you or uh, one that you you uh, may have wished that you had done while in school is just trying to figure out if there is a hole in education or where is it a great spot in education to have certain types of learning experiences? Oh, that's a good one as well. I think the bouncing ball was a great start. Like I, I remember when we all got set off with that goal, uh, a lot of people wanted to just download the human rigs and go straight towards those and animate those and animate dragons and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I was glad to say, all right, I'm just going to learn how to do this. I kind of wish I'd done a bit more on the bouncing ball as well, because that, that's a great way of um, practicing principles. But at one point you do get a bit like, I'm bored of this now. I want to try something new. Mm -hmm. I think I wish I had a clearer mind in, in going, right, I want to do locomotion, I want to do attacks, I want to do deaths. But I, I think I found stuff like doing deaths and hit reactions were so challenging when I was a student, I was very scared of them. Um, and I think they are still scary for students, but yeah. it is the, one of the best sort of body mechanic exercises you can do uh, if you just keep practicing those, making your own reference, finding reference online for those. Uh, I think if you can pull one off in a portfolio or a demo reel when you're a student, I think that's a really solid way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that is actually really challenging. There's, I actually watched uh, and one of my really good friends, uh, Mike Youngbluth, uh, who is the director at uh, Bioware now. He uh, actually had an entire talk about hit reactions and deaths and knockbacks. Mm. And um, I can't remember how long it was. I want to say it was a good half hour to an hour long conversation just about those things because. As much as you want to make that sword swing look really cool, um, the reaction to that sword swing is just as important. So um, if I'm sitting there and I get hit in the head with a sword or something along those lines, and I just kind of go, uh, it's yeah. not going to feel impactful, no matter how big and round the attack was and how great it looked. If the reaction is just a little like, where uh, they don't react at all, or they go the, uh, the wrong way or something along those lines, it's it really affects the animation. So the idea of doing it early on um, would be quite the challenge for sure. And if you could get that to, to work on your demo reel, yeah. I really like that idea. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's really cool because um, there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I recommend anybody that is going to be doing knockdowns and deaths and things along those lines, look up his talk. Um, he spent a lot of time researching it and looking into it and years of experience doing it. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, it, with your knockdowns, you have to make sure you're not dead, you know, like you <laughs> want to make sure the character still feels alive. And with your hits, you want to make sure they're not reacting too big to little things and too small for big things. Oh, man, 
thank you. Like that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. There's so it. many nuances to it. I'm still learning how to do these kind of things because I think when you first start off in animation, you just want to stay with like locomotion and attacks. You you see them in games all the time, and you think that's what I need to do, but you forget about the other things that happen in game animation as well, like that, like deaths and hit reactions and such. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, so uh, going back to education again. And I know that some of these are the staple, and I know that uh, the last person actually used the word like cliche. Um, but what would you say, it, and if you use them, do you use any kind of reading material? And what would you say your favorite reading material based around animation or otherwise do you think is um, really helpful to you? Or things that you would suggest, hey, go buy this book, you're going to love it, that kind of stuff. Well, as every animator has probably said already, the animation survival kit is a, you know, it's like a Bible for us, right? I, I think I learned a lot about locomotion in that book. It, it really helped um, create personality in my work. Uh, and then the Game Anim book as well, I think is a nice up-to-date book about the industry and, you know, there's interviews about different people and yeah. stuff like that. I found that was really awesome as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um. I swear by the Animator Survival Kit. Um, I have mm. a bookcase where I have a lot of my other books that I've looked and read and everything along those lines. But Richard Williams' book sits on the floor next to me. I don't have room on my desk, but I have it next to me because I go for it so often. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I still find that I want to go to it either for inspiration or to remind myself. Like if I haven't done a walk cycle in, uh, in a little while, I might go, okay, um, let me let me think about foot placement on those again. Even though I've done probably over 100 different walks, I still find myself wanting to look at, at look at that book. I, I I find it as one of the most inspirational and and nice pieces personally. I keep looking this way because it's literally <laughs> next to me. Yeah. Um. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um. um so the the anim the anim the other book that you were speaking about game anim yeah yeah game that's anim? the one by uh, Jonathan Cooper yeah okay yeah I've uh, I've heard someone else uh, mention that one earlier and um, while I follow him I don't know if I picked the, I don't think I picked that one up I'm gonna have to look into it myself it is quite recent I think it was uh, I want to say a year or two ago that it came out but I remember when it came out and it was great because it because it focuses around game animation and there isn't anything out there like that at the moment. It's very, still very new. Um, as much as the animated survival kit is, is amazing for fundamentals and learning animation. I think this one is nice mm -hmm. for game animators because it delves a bit more deeper into this category. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, as far as, uh, when you were starting off, is this, was this career something that you knew you wanted to do since you were little and you were like, playing a game and going, I want to make video games, or uh, is it something that you came into a little bit later in life, or uh, what, what did your beginning process into getting into the field look like? Uh, yeah, so I, re I remember it's still very much in my heart. When uh, when I was 14, we had this little animation project at, at my uh, secondary school, and uh, we none of us had done animation before. I don't know why it was a project there, but uh, everyone who was doing animation was doing the stop motion, and I was like, I want to do digital. So I got I open Adobe Flash and I did an animation, and I spent all my free time, all my lunch time, I was. I was so enamored by it. And when um, How to Train Your Dragon came out, I was like, you can do it in 3D. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't really know anything. And it wasn't until maybe end of college, I was looking for a university and I found that there was a university course called Games Animation. I was like, this is even better because I'd played games ever since I can remember. So I was like, this is so perfect. You know, I, animation and games, you, you can make a career out of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. I um, my beginning experience was wildly different. I didn't get it. I didn't even get into education of animation until my mid 20s. So um, uh, I appreciate that. I, I love when he, hearing people say like I knew early on that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I've heard some people say like, well, I thought that maybe I wanted to do a Twitch stream with something with games and maybe I just wanted to play them. But then as I got further uh, and older along in life, um, I found out that I actually wanted to be more of the process of creating it and I wanted to look into how that worked. Uh, so I hear a lot of stories of people doing it really early on and I, I love to hear that. And it might be a generational 
difference because when I was younger, for whatever reason, and I've heard a few people say this, is like, we didn't realize like that was something you could just go do. Like, I would yeah. learn how to make games. I'm going to go make games because, um, I mean, for me, I, I, and especially where I grew up and stuff, for me, I, it just didn't seem like a thing I could go and go after. So I really love the fact that, especially with the newer generation, that people are excited to try and make games so early in life. I mean, at 14 years old, you start working on this animation and that grew your love for the craft then. And that is fantastic because that's 10 years earlier than I did in my own life. Uh, so that's that's really really cool um yeah i, really I think it's it's that. still so it's still so new like i i remember finding out that this was a career and i was like wow this is insane and i think most yeah. animators i've spoken to had the same revelation they were, they were like you can make games that's a thing like and it's yeah. so exciting once you realize that you're like that's it that's my career now you know yeah um so uh on to a lot some sillier types of questions um of all the things that you've animated now, what would you say has been your favorite, and remembering NDA stuff, what has been your favorite character to work on? Like what, oh. <laughs> whether whether it was just fun animating the character just because you liked the rig or, or is it um, just a character that you vibed with the character of that, of the rig or whatever it may be? I'm stuck between two right now, but um, so we did these trolls for the Total Warhammer, uh, Total War Warhammer DLC that recently came out, and uh, it was the troll that was on my Twitter, and I got to do that alongside my mentor at the time, because when I joined Creative Assembly, I was a trainee, and I had a mentor, and we worked on this together, so I have good memories of this one, where we both went to the mocap, we both got this, uh, and they were just fun, because they're just big, dumb trolls, so you get a lot of, like, weight, you get a lot of silliness, you know, they're, like, scratching their heads, hitting their heads, you know, stuff like this. So that was really fun to put that character in. It's not like anything I'd done before. Usually I do my character and they're like, I want them to be skilled. I want them to be like this. But it was nice to do something completely opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's 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 cool. Um, as far as, uh, and I guess I should have asked this one earlier and transition to better between things. Um, are, how about... Uh, how about any uh, games or film out there now? Is there one that you find yourself really attracted to and going, uh, you know what, like say uh, How to Train a Dragon. I absolutely love, and I can't remember the names of the characters, that I really loved the uh, female young character in the first How to Train a Dragon and how she moved or whatever it is. Oh, Astrid, yeah, yeah. Astrid, yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything, do you have any character or any moment in a movie, whether it be 2D, 3D, live action, that you feel yourself really attracted to um, for the sense of inspiration or the sense of um, just ad admiration of the character or animation or whatever? Oh, that's a tough one because, like, as soon as you say, oh, any film game, and I'm just, like, running through my head with all these inspirations and ideas because, like, I think the most recent one for me, definitely Spider-Verse. I mean, I can't stop watching that movie over and over again. It is phenomenal. The characters, the animation, the style. Um, and I also like watching movies uh, like the anime movies where you get those kind of Japanese anime, uh, you know, uh, animations. They're really pretty, really stylish. Mm -hmm. I love those kind of things. But I don't, I can't say that one character right now sticks out to me. It's very hard to think of that right now. But mm -hmm. I, I just, I can't stop thinking of so many movies and games where this yeah. is like, yeah, it's very hard to pick one. <laughs> there, I mean, we have decades of amazing film and game that have come out. So it is quite the difficult question. Um, I tend to lean more towards the old stuff, uh, like the original Jungle Book, um, mm. the original Lion King, things along those lines. Because for me, realizing that they had to draw every frame and realizing that the planning needed for that versus the planning needed for like 3D animation today is wildly different because we, we get so much for quote unquote free that I love watching it because they had to make such a conscious decision with everything. Like if the thumb was holding on to something in a certain location at a certain way, they thought about every nuance of the way that that thing was placed 
and a lot of the times, especially in game, I feel like we have to to rush through some of the little bit smaller details. So I love looking at the old stuff. Um, even some newer 2D uh, animation is okay, but the really old stuff done like Disney and otherwise, where they had a really a pretty large budget to be able to have them go in and use high fidelity on absolutely everything. I love watching that stuff because they just I mean, There's so much know. appreciation for it, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. you think about the things that they had to do that we take for granted nowadays because we have things like motion blur and things along those lines. And back then they had a, okay, I want to turn the head really fast. They don't have motion blur, so they were like, okay, we're going to make the nose of the character 10 inches wide so that when they turn, it's actually stretching, like the stretch frames and the smear frames and things along those lines. Like, I love it. Like, they had yeah. to think about every little weird thing like that that we we generally will take for granted these days and that, i think that's why i still love watching that old stuff um so we're we're at just just about an hour now um is there any kinds of advice or anything else that you would like to say to somebody that's looking to get into the industry or do you have any topics that you'd like to to talk about that might help out a student or just something you want to talk about that i would enjoy to hear <laughs> sure. Um, I think one piece of advice that always sticks with me when it comes to making demo reels or just in general practicing your animation and you're just starting out, I think it's best to keep simple. Like, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who go into animation that like, I want to make this cool fight scene, I want to make like 10 seconds of animation, and they're just starting out and they, they want to make a portfolio. But I think, honestly, getting your basics down, doing something as simple as a walk cycle or just one sword swipe or something like that, I think that really helped me in just keeping my thoughts clear. And when I got critique, it was it was okay because this is a 30-frame animation I might, might have spent a few hours on, um, but at least that way... I'm not doing a 10 second animation and getting it all scrapped because of my choices. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great way to, to start uh, when it comes to animation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I think uh, something important to realize when you're starting off is you're still learning. So as you said, keeping it simple. And then there's that whole saying, um, kiss, where it's keep it simple, stupid. Um, and w with that, I think it is really important because with 10 seconds of animation, you're talking about, if you're doing uh, 30 frames per second, I mean, you're talking about a lot of frames and you're talking, of, and especially for something that long, generally you've got more than one character. Like you had said, maybe a 10 second long fight scene or something along those lines. So now you've got two characters over a long period of time trying to focus everything that you've learned for that long of an animation really early on can be really challenging. I remember uh, I had tried doing a long action an acting scene. Um, I can't remember how long it was, but it was while I was in school and I ended up scrapping the whole thing and, and starting over and going with something shorter and mm. easier, um, uh, easier because it was too much. It would have taken me forever. And the amount of critiquing that I would have needed to get it to where I needed it to be. It, it's, it's interesting because yes, you want to go and go, okay, I saw this scene in Pixar movie where I saw this and there was all these characters in the background and all this other stuff. What you don't realize is a lot of times people working on that scene may have worked on one person and all the other stuff may have been um, captured by other, other people or animated by other people. So it takes a lot to get a big, nice, long scene like that. So yeah, keeping it, keeping it simple in the beginning is, I think, as you mentioned, just a sword swipe, that kind of stuff is is really smart you don't want to bite off more than you can chew and then uh the scene uh, hurt because of that like just not having the time to put into it and obviously if you're soon graduating obviously school's not going to make you do a 10 second long animation but if a uh when you're first graduating and you're trying to just get more stuff for your demo reel trying to attack fun things that are short and getting more differences in there is probably more important than one long scene that all feels the same um, as you had mentioned earlier, you don't want to have a demo reel that's really long and you don't want to have one that's really short either. Um, so if one was 10 second long animation, let's say you did spend all that time and were able to get that down, 10 seconds is a huge chunk of a demo reel to see all of the same thing. Yeah, uh, and if someone doesn't like that, they they might as well click off at that point. So right. keeping things short and having the variety keeps them you know, interested, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head on there. Um, so I think we, we've gone through quite a bit here. I think we've helped out quite a bit. Um, can you think of anything else that you'd like to talk about? Or, um, I, th I mean, I think we really covered a lot of bases. We covered a yeah, lot of ground. Yeah, we did. Um, as, if you have any other last words of, of, um, of advice or otherwise, I, I'd love to hear it. I think the last thing I'd like to say is just don't be afraid to show your work. I think a lot of students can hold back and, and gatekeep their own work when really they need to share it out with the world and be okay with people's opinions and critique because eventually you'll be doing that as your as a career. You mm -hmm. know, it's best to start early. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking your time to to meet with me today and uh, to help our students out. And um, I, I, I love following you on uh, Instagram and I, I, I hope to continue watching all of the awesome work that you're doing as you progress. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It was nice speaking to you. Absolutely. You have a good one now. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, all right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.